Hello listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Anti-Culture this week. It feels so great to be back behind the microphone. I hope you all had a wonderful holiday and a happy new year. I cannot believe that it is 2022 already. My first episode of this show premiered back in 2017, which is five years ago. So I am just marveling at all that this show has allowed me to do. And it's just crazy to me how fast time passes. As you get older and in your adult years, it really all happens in the blink of an eye. So if you've been there since the beginning, thank you so much. And I'm so happy that you're here for this episode because it's a special one. And I'm gonna be doing something I've never done before on the show. And I'm gonna allow you all to get to know me a little bit better. You know me as your culturally ambiguous, culturally mixed host, Josiah Sinanin, and I've been talking to you for five years and exploring the stories of other people and highlighting their experiences in our mosaic society here in North America. So this time I'm going to be kind of flipping the script and I'm letting you guys interview me. So instead of a guest this week, I'll be answering your questions. We're doing a little ask me anything. And to be frank, I think I've been pretty private on this show. I don't usually share my opinions um, or my own stories that often. I like to highlight the people that I'm talking to. So I'm really excited to display more of my personality and share some fun stories with you all. So thank you to everyone who submitted a question. There's quite a few and I'm hoping I can get through them all in our regular time period. We'll see if something gets edited out, but um, I hope and I think you will enjoy this listen. So thanks for sticking with me. Also, in case you missed the news, I have some big life changes coming into effect at the end of this month. And honestly, it's largely thanks to this podcast itself. And I'm really excited. I'm actually going to be leaving my hometown of Calgary, Alberta, to pursue a new role as a reporter for CBC Windsor in Ontario, which is so exciting. I can't wait to start this new chapter with the CBC and make my journalism a little bit more legitimate. And I just want to thank you all for encouraging me on this path and, you know, the producers at CBC that have been listening to the show. um, It meant so much that I could be on Canada Tonight earlier this year. And now I'm actually going to be building my career within the CBC itself. So I'm going to start training in a couple weeks here in Calgary with the CBC Calgary team. And then I'm off to Windsor at the end of this month. So I'll be reporting and story sourcing for this radio program called Afternoon Drive. And it is broadcast from Windsor to London in southwestern Ontario every single day from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. So if you're in the region, drop me a line. I would love to connect when I arrive. Also give CBC Windsor a follow on social media and you might just see my face pop up every once in a while. So keep an eye on that and uh, thank you for all the support. I would not be doing this if it weren't for all of you listening to the show, believing in me, enjoying what I have to say and uh, helping bring together compelling discussions. So a lot of you have asked me what this move means for anti-culture, and I have good news and bad news. (laughs) The good news is that the show will be continuing for the foreseeable future, which I'm really thankful for, and I am able to continue sharing via this platform despite the fact that I'll be on the radio waves with CBC officially. The bad news is that for the remainder of this season, season five, 
I'm actually going to be breaking away from my weekly episode cadence, which is not something I've done at all throughout the entire time I've been hosting this podcast. So it feels my OCD is kind of acting up that I should be having a weekly episode come out anyway. But um, unfortunately, I won't be able to do that because there's just so much going on um, with the move in order for me to be consistent the way I have been. So I hope you'll stay with me regardless. And I'm also hoping that I can resume a faithful schedule again for season six when that time comes around. And I'll be finishing our last four episodes of this season just as time allows. I do have some guests lined up, but with the move, it's been a little difficult to line everything up the way I want. So that all just means that your best chance of not missing an episode of this podcast is by actually subscribing to the show on the platform that you listen to the podcast on. I would hate to have you miss future episodes. I think some of them are going to be great. And so be sure to do that. Your support would mean a lot to me, and it would also give Anticulture a boost. So go ahead and hit subscribe if you're checking this out wherever you're listening. Um, And that way you can be notified anytime we have a new episode. So with that all being said, this episode of Anticulture is also my final episode under the Alberta Podcast Network umbrella. I've been mentioning these guys for a very long time, since season three, and I wanted to shout them out since they've been supporting the show for the past few years. And they're also a great resource here in Alberta if you're a fellow podcaster. They have a ton of great shows on the roster, and I would encourage you to check those out as well if you enjoy Anticulture. They're all locally grown, community-supported Alberta shows, and you can find them all at albertapodcastnetwork.com. We're almost ready for me to answer your questions, um, but I do have a couple sponsors to shout out for this episode. And this episode of Anticulture is firstly brought to you by Park Power. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. Some of us know that, some of us don't, but Park Power is a great option. They have low overhead, and that in turn allows them to offer low competitive rates. So reach out for a no obligations comparison by simply emailing estimates at parkpower.ca. If you decide to switch your providers, it's super easy. It's really just a change to your billing, and you can feel good knowing that you're helping give back to our communities with your utility bills which is an awesome thing about Park Power. They give back a portion of all of their proceeds. And you can learn more about them at parkpower.ca. This episode is also brought to you by ATB. At ATB, they make banking work for you. With expert and practical advice in everyday banking and investment planning expertise and management services with ATB Wealth, you can be confident that you're making smart choices when it comes to your money. They have a history of doing what's right for their clients, especially when times are tough because ATB was built to help Albertans. For more information, visit atb.com. And now, finally, without any further delay, let's get to your burning questions. There were quite a few questions that came through um, from a variety of sources, and so I've selected a few of them here, and I am excited to get to some of them. I'm going to shout out everyone that (laughs) submitted a question. And I'm going to do it in a random order. So some of these entail some stories. Some of them are just kind of people that were curious. So let's jump into it. I'm going to get started with with Herman, who is the host of the Modern Manhood podcast. I'm also a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is great. Um, and he actually called me out to this. This isn't even a deep question, but he just said, why are you slandering YEG? LOL. And Herman, let me tell you, 
I am a born and raised Calgarian. For those of you who don't know, there is a bit of a rivalry between the two Alberta cities. Edmonton's the capital. And here's the here's the real truth. I have family from Edmonton. Obviously, I've been there so many times. And there's some really beautiful things about Edmonton. I love the River Valley. I think you guys have great food. The summers are really awesome. And um, West Edmonton Mall, can't forget that. Can't forget all the concerts that I had to drive to Edmonton to see because Calgary's Saddle Dome is not big enough to host some of the venues that we like. So Edmonton is not completely um, in my bad books. I definitely have some fond memories there. And I just had to throw that little joke in on my interview with Mitzi last um, episode. It is a city that's kind of in the middle of nowhere, if you're really thinking about it. And I actually read somewhere that Edmonton is the furthest north city in the world with over a million people in it. So very interesting. It's very cold there. Um, Their winters are not fun. And um, I don't really know much about the arts and culture scene there, to be honest. I have not um, ventured into Edmonton for any of my podcast episode inspiration. However, it does bring to mind an episode that I did in season one with Joelle Coteau Willard. We had a conversation about the Franco-Albertan community, which was super eye-opening to me. And she was mentioning that a lot of the Franco-Albertan communities are around Edmonton and very close to Edmonton. So Edmonton has a really strong Francophone community that is around it, which is really cool. They have a festival called Canot Volant, um, the Flying Canoe. And I've never been to it, but I've always wanted to check it out. I don't know when I'll be in Edmonton next, especially now that I'm moving. But uh, that's what I got to say about Edmonton. Um, not a horrible city. If I turned you off to it before, go check it out sometime. Um, thank you, Harman, for the question. This next question comes from Kaya Allo. She has been a guest on our show a couple times. Um, would highly recommend you check out my interview with her in season three. She is working on her first full-length album, and I'm really excited. She is an incredible musician based here in Calgary. And uh, we also had an episode uh, last season where we discussed the Oprah interview with Harry and Meghan, which was so much fun. So Kaya Allo asks, of all the things that you're good at, what made journalism your chosen profession? So now we're getting a little meatier, and I'm actually really excited to answer this question, and I really appreciate it. And the fact of the matter is I have a really interesting history with journalism. So when I was young in junior high, maybe even before that, actually, yeah, before junior high, when I was in elementary school, I used to pretend that I hosted a radio show in my room. And I did it all the time, but I would pretend to be hosting a show. I would put a CD into my stereo, play a song specifically that I liked, and then host this kind of music program uh, in my room. But even before that, before I even started school, this is a funny story. There's actually a cassette tape recording that I made of myself. And we had a little cassette player that had a mic built into it so you could write over the cassette tape. And I was just kind of playing around one day and I decided to do a newscast. And I think I was probably six, seven six or seven years old and I was walking around with this cassette 
recording this new show and I actually had an alter ego. <laughs> I don't know if alter ego is the right word. I had a persona for some reason that I named Ali Mashit. And I don't even know how to spell that name. My dad has a spelling for it, but somewhere out there, there's this tape of me pretending to host this newscast. And I was so serious about it. And one of the stories that I covered was in my make-believe imagination. This was kind of around the time after 9-11. I was thinking about Osama bin Laden. I had nightmares about him. I was... <laughs> Not sure exactly what was going on because I was so young, so I literally made this newscast where Osama bin Laden was chasing me and I was going to die, which is a little bit graphic, but that's just honestly the truth. So those are kind of my earliest memories of my connection to journalism, but to be honest, things really shifted when I was in high school and junior high and kind of thinking more about what I wanted to do and broadcasting was always on my mind. And I actually, upon graduating, did apply for all of the broadcasting programs here in Calgary. And I got accepted into all of them, which was super exciting. One of them was really intense, um, where we had to do a panel interview, where we had to record ourselves reporting on a real story, where we had to write an essay. And I am very proud that I got accepted into both, but the chances of me getting accepted to the programs here in Calgary were actually very slim. So um, upon my parents' suggestion, they also said that I should maybe have a backup. And I ended up applying for the International Relations Program at the University of Calgary, which is the degree that I currently hold. And I got accepted into that program, and it just made me really excited reading about it, honestly. It was not the direction I had thought I wanted to go, but something about doing the four-year degree, possibly getting to travel, learning about the political side of the global system really fascinated me and so I decided to take that route and um, I went with that for my degree and I actually rejected the broadcasting offers so it's always kind of been in my blood and then when I graduated from my degree that was in 2017 so you know what I still had the bug and I still said I want to do this broadcasting thing so that led to me creating anti-culture and I have been broadcasting in that sense on my own, um, out of my own volition. And I had a friend tell me, another journalist, um, he used to be a writer for a magazine here in the city, he said, you know, so many people have journalism degrees, so many people go to school for it, it's that piece of paper that everyone has when they get into the industry, but what really sets people apart in the industry are those that are actually naturally passionate about it. And that was really encouraging to me because I intentionally chose not to get a journalism degree and now I have a journalism career ahead of me. So it's really exciting. It's definitely something I've always wanted to do. I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast, but one of my ultimate goals in life is to host my own talk show. And I kind of do already with anti-culture, but it would be great to have that legitimized and, uh, and put together. So that's what I'm working towards. I feel more confident now than I ever have that it's actually going to happen. Okay, I have to stop being so long-winded because that was a very long response. Um, so the next question is from Craig Jeske, and Craig says, what is your biggest goal of 2022? And that is a great question that I honestly haven't thought of. I feel like I accomplished my goals by landing this opportunity with the CBC this year. And so I have no idea what 2022 is going to hold. I would love to cover a breaking story. I would love to cover a story on 
a national platform or perhaps be on um, television more uh, as I work in this role that I currently got. So I think those are kind of my career goals. In terms of personal goals, I haven't really formulated many. So we'll just have to see what happens. Um, but I'm very excited about 2022. I have um, a couple questions from Saeed, the pastry nerd, who was our guest on episode two of this season. First, he asks, how has the podcast impacted your life, both, both personal and professional? This is an awesome question. His second question is, what inspired me to start the podcast? So, Saeed, firstly, um, this podcast has really impacted my life in ways that I didn't think were possible. The first thing that comes to mind is that having a podcast and hosting a podcast really allows you to access people you would not otherwise talk to because when I'm searching for guests, when I'm putting a show together, I'm often talking to people that I would never have any reason to reach out to, but I think are super interesting and having a podcast gives you this excuse to actually talk to those people. So that's been a huge benefit to me. I've gotten invited to film premieres and openings and things like that that are just really kind of fun. And it's kind of fun to look back and think, I, you know, I just kind of made this platform for myself. I didn't need anyone to tell me that this is my role. I just kind of made it. So that has really given me a boost in confidence and I think has also set me apart from a lot of um, my friends and family. It's given me this hobby that has been such a great outlet for me and has allowed me to stay curious about the world around me and has actually kind of restructured the way that I approach people and topics. And I think it's made me a more peaceful person as a result because I try intentionally on the show to give people a chance to speak and explain what inspires their worldview. And by opening my mind up in that way, I've just learned so much about so many different ways to see the world. Professionally is kind of obvious. I mean, I got this great opportunity with CBC. I have been on national television six times this year, which is amazing. I have gotten to host a music show here in Calgary called The Key of A with CBC Radio. And if you told Josiah that three years ago, there's no way I would believe any of those things. So it is because of the podcast. Um, I had a producer in Toronto that had listened to the show, suggested me for a panel role on a new program on the CBC News Network, and I was contacted by them. And uh, then I also won this award last year, which was really... um, really humbling and surprising to me. So it's uh, it's been a really great ride. There's so many ways that the podcast has changed my life. The second question, what inspired me to start this podcast? It's actually a funny story, and I've shared it before on the show, but I had a relative of mine share a Facebook status that kind of made me laugh at first, but then it really got me thinking. And the status said, this is Alberta, fit in or F off. And... <laughs> That might be shocking for some people to hear, but um, as you know, I have a mixed race background. There is quite a diversity of opinion and um, worldview within my own family. And so sometimes I see things like that and, you know, I kind of laugh at it, even though it's definitely not something that I would encourage or agree with. But um, reading his status made me think, wow, to this relative of mine, their identity is so tied to being Albertan. 
and I'm Albertan, and I was born and raised here, but I don't feel that way. And I wonder why we have this different perception of our identity and what makes us who we are. And that got me really thinking about, man, every single person on earth has a different set of values that makes up how they identify and the things that they're passionate about. And I've always felt like I am a little bit removed from that experience because there's so much there's so much that is not black and white in my life and part of that has to do with my ethnic background part of that has to do with my cultural experiences the things that I personally like and I really latched onto that concept and I thought you know it's so easy to make assumptions about where people are coming from and this is before Trump COVID everything I was thinking, you know, it's so easy to make assumptions about where people are coming from or what side of the spectrum they stood on when we don't understand the why. So, you know, I actually had that relative as a guest on my show. It's in season one. If you want to go look it up and listen to it. And uh, that was the inspiration for the show, which I think is a bit of a strange one. But I did know I wanted to start a podcast. And when I saw that, I was like, hmm, this could be my concept. This could be what I based the show off of. Emma asks, where in your career do you wish to be in five years? So five years from now, I will be 32 years old, almost 33. And I think, you know, 33 is the age of Christ. So I am expecting big things in five years. I think five years is a great milestone. I've never really been a five-year planner, but I hope in five years I definitely have more of a public presence. I am still doing journalism. Maybe I can bring a concept of something that I've come up with to the airwaves, whether that's TV, um, hopefully TV, or a podcast, another podcast. But uh, yeah, I just want to be known for being a great interviewer and for treating people with respect. And I hope I have an opportunity to show the world that I have a big set of questions from Davy Gravy. Thank you, Davy. Um, I don't know if I'll have time to answer all of them, but some of these are great. So um, one of the questions you asked was, what accomplishment are am I most proud of? And I've said this a few times, but I'm actually most proud of a placement I did in 2016. It was part of my degree, um, but I got to do a cooperative education experience with a uh, nonprofit organization called Freedom Tree, um, NGO, nonprofit, whatever you want to call it. And they have such a fascinating mandate, very focused on the country of Sierra Leone, now doing some work in Canada. But in Sierra Leone, it's a very small West African country, and it has, even though it's so small, It strangely has some of the highest maternal and infant mortality rates in the world. And there's so many factors to that statistic, but in 2016, I got to go to Sierra Leone for three months and with a team of two other people, um, one of them being a labor and delivery nurse, we got to develop this curriculum for remote villages alongside locals and um, totally asset-based Um, and locally sustainable, we got to make this curriculum that basically presented a healthier way to approach gender roles and birthing and family. And it was a really challenging and eye-opening experience for me. I authored a lot of the curriculum. We had it approved by um, some 
government arms that were kind of working with NGOs. And we actually trained a lot of regional leaders on how to teach this curriculum. So within these remote villages in Sierra Leone that I got to visit and stay overnight at, the curriculum is still being taught today. And it is crazy because the first time I heard about its impact was maybe a year after I did the project. And this village that um, was losing women and babies um, almost on a daily basis had only had one death in the entire year, which was a night and day difference. And that just made me so emotional that this thing that I helped write is out there in the world, literally saving people's lives. And it was honestly a very humbling experience, even though that sounds so cool to say, but I really struggled while I was there, um, just relationally, emotionally. The culture shock was very, very evident there, even though we did cultural training before I went to, to Sierra Leone. And now, I mean, I love Sierra Leone. I have such a heart for that country. I love the people there. I'm still on WhatsApp talking to them. I've thought about doing a podcast episode with some of the people over there, but um, a lot of the times the technology just hasn't worked out. So I really hope that um, I can do that. Um, maybe I'll throw one into the season, but I'm very proud of that accomplishment because it's something that I felt like I sacrificed for, but there is fruit that has come from it. And I don't think I'll ever know the true impact of what that was, but it was really, really um an honor to be a part of, especially with such a small team. Another question from Davy that I'll answer is, what is my favorite emoji? And it's not really that exciting, but I just <laughs> thought I would answer this. My favorite emoji is the lemon emoji. I have this weird obsession with citrus, particularly grapefruits, though I love lemons. Oranges are kind of basic. Limes, amazing. What else is there? I don't know. Pomelos. I don't know if I've tried a pomelo. But anyway, I think citrus is so wonderful. It's so fresh, invigorating, tropical, colorful, delicious. And lemons are yellow, and yellow is my favorite color. So I love the lemon emoji because it portrays, it gives me this vibe of being positive, upbeat, exciting, zesty and uh it's my favorite color so it's a little like nice little thing to tag on to the end of my messages sometimes as a little signature and davy i will maybe send you a response to the rest of the questions if you are interested in hearing the answer to the rest of what you asked this next question comes from hannah she says if you had the power to implement one piece of legislation to positively impact canadians what would it be and why and this is a very tricky question for me to be completely transparent with you, I did not research any of these questions that some of you asked. Um, and I usually do a lot of research for my podcast, but um, this one's really uh, a good question. And honestly, I've really tried to remove myself from politics. There's been a few leads from this podcast that have been politically affiliated. I've had people ask me to represent partisan movements um, after listening to my podcast and I find that really interesting because I really try to be non-biased in my approach. So I do feel a little bit uncomfortable commenting on the legislation question only because I don't want to give away any kind of political affiliation or suggestion um, that might be out there. But 
Honestly, I think one of the most important issues to me when I think about Canada and how we can improve is that of Indigenous health and Indigenous rights. I have never been impacted by something more about our country than when I hear about missing and murdered Indigenous women, when I hear about um, cyclical abuse, when I hear about the foster system, especially pertaining to our Indigenous population. And that's something that has really troubled me and has made me feel helpless as a Canadian that is um, borrowing this land. And so I think something that really needs to be done as soon as possible is really fixing the water issue that's happening on the reserves right now. And that means providing clean water, a basic human right to our indigenous neighbors. And I also think there should be a lot more experiential requirements in our education system where we can actually discover what, where we can actually discover what the people who are native to Canada do and how they live and what they believe. And I think that that would be very beneficial to all of us if we gave Indigenous people more of a voice. And um, yeah, it's crazy. A couple These last couple questions I've, co- I've covered on my podcast, um, I have a couple episodes um, that have highlighted Indigenous voices. And I also did an episode with the founder of that nonprofit organization that I went to Sierra Leone with. So um, if you haven't heard those two episodes, definitely go through and find them. And Freedom Tree is actually doing a lot of work with the Indigenous population now and um, advocating for a lot of their education and rights. And so it's really cool that this Sierra Leone focused thing is now coming local. And I really appreciate that about them. But yeah, I think that's the best way I can answer that question, Hannah. Thank you for asking me. And I hope that that is a good response. Okay, I have a couple more questions left before we wrap up this week's episode. They are kind of fun. I'll start with the fun one, and then we'll go into the more deep one. So this next question is from Derek, who is my phys ed teacher from junior high and high school. Um, Yes, we're friends on Facebook. I think there's something funny that kind of happens when you graduate. And I remember this so well, right when we graduated high school. That's when the teacher said, okay, you can add us on Facebook now because you don't go to the school anymore. So it's not no longer unprofessional. So I have almost all my teachers on Facebook, I think, which is kind of funny. And it's cute, you know, like I remember when I went to France uh, during my study abroad term and the first time I visited Versailles, my social studies teacher commented on my post and it was just kind of cool because she's the one that taught me about Versailles and the history in France and um, so you know teachers see things and it reminds you of what they taught you and I think that's kind of cool so Mr. Henson Derek he's asking me what is my favorite subject in school besides PE because of course it was my favorite Um, that's a great question and I actually did enjoy PE I was always confused about how PE was graded because I mean, if you're not fit, does that mean you fail PE? I don't think so, but um, (laughs) I'm a very uh, obviously intellectual person. I love words and writing and, you know, learning. And so PE was kind of like, I was always confused by the grades that I got, but I think I did pretty well in PE. Um, But yeah, I liked PE um, because I loved track and field. I liked being with my friends. It was a nice break in the day. Um, Not my favorite subject, though. My favorite subject in school, and I'm going to stick to high school just to keep things simple, but um, I think was probably 
English. Uh, so language arts, I guess, is the elementary term. But yeah, English class I really enjoyed because I like reading and words and writing. Um, I also loved French class because I love French. I'm a francophile. I loved anything to do with music, um, though sometimes I didn't like band, but I did really like choir. And I also think I liked biology quite a lot, which is kind of funny because usually they say you like English and social studies or you like math and science. And I liked English and biology. And I don't know what it was about biology. I just really enjoyed learning everything about cells and like doing the dissections and I just thought it was so cool. I'm gonna go with bio and English and PE, choir, and French get an honorable mention. All right, and this is our last question. It's from Chelsea Very. Thank you, Chelsea, for asking question. You are asking me, working in corporate life, do you see an increase in downtown culture in Calgary? My husband was always frustrated at how quickly YYC downtowners would go home. He missed time in Quebec and Ontario because people would live and be downtown after work. This is really fascinating, actually, and it's something that if you're not from Calgary, you might not know what we're really talking about. But typically, a city's downtown core is kind of where all the action happens. It's, you know, where there's events and people hang out and go out and it's where everything's kind of happening. And I do feel like that is the case in Calgary only because whenever I hang out with someone, we meet downtown. And it might be because I live downtown, but... um, I do think all the best restaurants in Calgary are downtown, to be frank. I mean, I'm sure there's some banging stuff on International Ave in the Northeast, but or in the Southeast, but I love downtown. I really do love downtown in Calgary. I love that the rivers are here. You get a little bit of water action. Um, I love the arts and culture scene. I think it's exciting. But to Chelsea's point, during the weekday, if you are driving around downtown Calgary, especially in the evening, it is dead. So it is kind of a weird phenomenon because she's right. Like every other city you go to, downtown is where everything's happening. It's bumping, especially at night. But in Calgary, it is like there is tumbleweeds flying down the road. It's so quiet. I don't know why that is. I think Calgary is a very, very unique city in many ways. And this is kind of like a repercussion of how the city's been built it's very suburb focused everyone drives a car you have to drive if you live in calgary unless you're like really living a life in the core where you can walk to work um but everyone i know that was also born and raised in calgary you don't grow up downtown you grow up in the suburbs 20 30 minutes away on the highway um it's still called calgary and um you kind of just stay in your little zones. You stay in your, with your school group. You stay with your coworkers. You stay with your family. And that's something I don't like about Calgary, actually, because we don't have a lot of opportunity to interact with our communities because of the way it's structured. And I think that's why downtown is dead um, for most of the city, because most of our city is families. So the families kind of stay in their zones. Um, You know, they kind of let their kids do their thing, but they have no reason to come downtown. There's not a huge population of young adults in Calgary. A lot of people leave the city. However, growing up here, I will say that in the past five, six years, there has definitely been a shift and there definitely is a culture developing in Calgary. I think it has to do with the restaurant scene that's really been popping off here. 
um, the influx of younger Canadians wanting to try a Western city that's not Vancouver. I started working at a agency, a marketing agency, three years ago now, um, and it's actually the job I'm leaving to go to CBC. And the culture that is kind of formulated around that job experience, I mean, it's very much young people that are marketers in Calgary. And so, you know, how we have fun, how we unwind is we like to go downtown, we like to go to events, we like to go you know, get a new drink at the new cocktail bar or like have dinner together somewhere, at least before COVID. And uh, those experiences make Calgary a lot more fun and interesting. I love being downtown and there's so many cool communities that make up downtown, whether it's Mission or Inglewood or Kensington. Um, It's just, it's a really interesting city. And I think it's different than what I remember in high school. I think in high school, downtown was always dead we would go there just to like see the buildings um (laughs) and feel like we were living a city life by taking the train into downtown but now it's actually like you can spend a lot of time down here you can live your life down here you can make good memories down here and um i don't know what's causing that but if you're missing out on that if you were born and raised in calgary and you still have this idea that it is suburbia and family-oriented, I would encourage you to spend some time downtown. There's a lot of great restaurants. Um, Even just going to see a theater Calgary show or taking a walk down Stephen Avenue or um, shopping, (laughs) doing shopping in Inglewood and seeing all the weird stores that are around that area. It's just a really great experience now. And I think it's because Calgary is getting bigger and it's because um, the culture is definitely shifting. So I'm excited to see what the future of Calgary holds. I know I was rambling a little bit there, but that is um, the answer to that question, Chelsea, and I am curious if you feel the same way. That is it for the questions, guys. And you know what? It has almost been 45 minutes of me yabbering on about all sorts of things. So this was really fun, and I hope you guys enjoyed hearing my opinions and thoughts and feelings. And uh, thank you for letting me use this as a different type of episode this week and i really hope you enjoyed it i am getting prepped to move now um this is my last week of work at my current job next week i am packing and getting things put together the week after i start my training with cbc calgary and then by the end of the month i'm leaving so it is uh, pretty surreal i'm feeling pretty i'm feeling i think a fair amount of stress Um, but I think things are going to be great and uh, I am hoping that I'll be able to talk to you guys again soon Uh, as I mentioned I do have some guests lined up um, but we just had to kind of reschedule or postpone so hoping those opportunities pop up once I'm settled in Ontario and I think I'll have a whole slew of new and exciting cultural insights um, when I am getting settled in Windsor so um, I am looking forward to sharing that with you all And I'm sure you're going to see a lot more of me coming up. So that makes me really excited. If you're here since the beginning, if you ever supported me in any way for this show, I am so, so grateful to you. Check out our website, josiahpodcast.com. You can listen to every single episode I've ever put together on the website. You can also read some of our press releases about that award that I won. And uh, you can get in touch with me. So I would love to hear from you. Again, the website is josiahpodcast.com. 
And if you guys are on Twitter, I'm trying to get more active on there because it is the journalism haven um, <laughs> on Twitter. I announced that I was taking on the role at CBC Windsor and it got over a hundred likes and some retweets and people were so nice and so welcoming and it took me off guard and <laughs> I love Twitter but I've used it as um, kind of a space where I just say whatever I want and I probably shouldn't do that anymore. So it's gonna get a lot more professional on there. <laughs> but my podcast Twitter is at Josiah Podcast. And if you follow that, you will also see the link to my personal Twitter. If you enjoyed hearing from me, I do love sharing myself on the internet. So um, if you follow me on any social media platform, you should be able to find my personal equivalent and follow me along that way. I'll be posting a lot more of my adventures that are coming up here. And uh, I think that pretty much concludes it. I thought I was going to get a little more emotional this episode, but I'm not that emotional. I'm excited. Um, And I know there's so much more to come. So uh, again, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for letting me have some fun this episode. And I will talk to you all soon.